0: If you were here yesterday for our Serve Day, then you were blessed—blessed blessed to be a part of what we did yesterday, blessed to be a part of the service. It was a great day. The weather was beautiful. We came here with a perfectly undone parking lot, and then we pitched in and we did the whole parking lot. We painted the lines. We got all that done. There was a group of about ten of us worked really hard on it. Uh, but it was—no, I'm kidding. For those of you ha- who, haven't, uh, who haven't seen that yet, it looks beautiful, doesn't it? But that was done earlier in the week, and I'm appreciative to operations for getting all of that done. We did nonetheless have a great day yesterday uh, in the service that we did. It was absolutely wonderful, and there were people who came and uh, did some work around here, planted some flowers and things, did some straightening up, and then we had a chance to, to do some work at some different houses, clean some gutters for some people, emptied a backyard. And I, I won't actually read the, the uh, text or the email that came in from the com- from the, the uh, couple or the family that we cleared their backyard. They, we went into their backyard, and they had, uh, they had beds in there. They had toilets in the backyard. They had an old broken-down lawnmower. They had all kinds of stuff, and the grass was probably a foot and a half high. And we got this uh, text or email that said, thank you so much for coming and cleaning our backyard out. Uh, we, you know, we've wanted to get this done for a long time and weren't able to do so, and now our children can go into the backyard and play, which is wonderful. I don't know all the reasons they didn't get their backyard cleaned up, but I'm grateful that we could have a chance to serve them and bless them and get that done. So if you were a part of that, thank you for coming. Uh, we, we just had a wonderful day of service. A couple of things I'll mention that are coming up, and I want you to be aware of these. One is, on Wednesday night, this week, we're going to start uh, three different things. If you look in your bulletin, right in the center page, it says connect and grow spiritually, and it talks about a jam session, which has nothing to do with preserves, has nothing to do with berries or something, for those of you who are older like me and get confused about words, okay? And there's also going to be... Uh, A time for those who are younger in the faith or who are interested in some kind of reboot to go through a a series on some basics. And then there's going to be a deeper study after that where we're going to play an N.T. Wright video and do some chapters in the book of Romans. We'll see how this goes. This first set is Romans chapters 1 through 5. And we'd love to have people come and and participate in a study that, uh, that really... Um, is being done by what many would consider the best New Testament scholar in the world today, certainly the most popular one. And so if you want to come on Wednesday night, we're going to start all those things at 6.30, and I would love to have you to be here for that. Uh, You know, during the summer, we take a lot of stuff off and don't do as much, uh, but this is a chance for you to, to be in touch and growing and doing something this summer. So please be a part of that, 6.30 on Wednesday night. Uh, Today is the last day of classes. Next week is Showcase Sunday. It will happen in between the two services, so please come and and be part of that. Support our uh, youth, uh, the Bible study, uh, the Bible classes, and honor both the kids and the teachers for all the work that they do. That'll be next Sunday during, uh, in between the two services. On June 26th will be the first Sunday that we go to only one service. So on June 26th, there will be a service at 10-10, okay? 10-10 on June 26th will be the first time for the summer of, of one service, and then we will go back to two services in September. And then a couple of other things. One is fishing day, July 9th. Everybody can come and fish at Crawling Valley Reservoir. You can talk to Mike Nearhead or Darcy Pollock about that if you're interested in knowing more. And then, of course, on July 10th, we are going to have a stampede breakfast, but it's going to be completely different. You'll hear details about that later. Now, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 10. We're going to get there in a bit. Not right away, but pretty soon. Every year, when Robin and I were in Abilene, Texas, Jonathan could attest to this. When we were in school back in the 80s, and I think it's not quite as prevalent as it was then, but there was a huge migration of monarch butterflies that would take place uh, in early fall like say October or so, all of a sudden the monarchs would start coming down and you would find hundreds of them in the city of Abilene. They'd be all over the ACU campus. And what was happening was that the monarch butterflies can't take the cold weather of the northern states. And so they're up in the north for a while, but then as fall starts to come, they head for south Texas or for the southern part of the United States. You'll also find them in southern California. And then they move into Mexico and they winter in southern California, in Texas and, and uh and Mexico and it's a long journey it's about 1600 kilometers or so that these monarch butterflies have to, to fly in order to get down to their wintering ground just like birds would do except you can imagine it's a butterfly they're not flying at 40 miles an hour or something on their way down there it takes them I'm sure months to make the journey well can you imagine these butterflies if for whatever reason they didn't realize they didn't pick up on the fact that they were butterflies what if they thought they were still caterpillars now caterpillar has way more legs than a butterfly so they might think that over a period of time they could caterpillar their way on down sixteen hundred kilometers to mexico but if you're a butterfly you don't have all those legs in fact if you ever watched a butterfly walk it's not really pretty you know it's like a drunken sailor kinda thing as they teeter along And the wings go back and forth. They they look like they're about ready to fall over all the time. Can you imagine a butterfly trying to make a journey like that all because they didn't realize that they were a butterfly? They thought they were still a caterpillar. So they crawl everywhere they go. They're tripping over all the leaves. They're walking along the ground with all its obstacles, not making much headway. Or can you imagine if the ugly duckling never saw a swan never saw her own reflection in the water, and just kept thinking that she was a larger-than-normal ugly duck with a really long neck. That would be unfortunate. Something would be missed if that was the case. And the fact is, we, you and I, who still think that we are caterpillars, or who still think that we are large ugly ducks are missing out when we fail to realize who it is that we are in Christ. And so one of the smooth stones that we want to talk about this morning is the need for us to correct our perception, get a different idea of who it is that we are in Christ, a correct perception of what it is that he has given us and what it is that he has made made us. Now, misperceptions can happen in different ways when it comes to who we are in Christ. Sometimes, we don't even realize that we're created specifically for the purpose of being in relationship with Him. And we just move on in this world, acting just like everybody else, missing out on the joy of knowing Him, figuratively content with inferior and less fulfilling relationships. We're just like butterflies not understanding who it is that we are. Yesterday, when we got here to do serve day, there was a couple that was sleeping down the hallway and just outside the doors. John got here, John Coghlan got here first. Uh, He went over, parked by the dumpster. I pulled in, I parked my truck back by the, the stairwell and saw this couple. They're sleeping there outside the doors. Now, this is not unusual. This actually happens quite often. And they've been around a bit. They charge their cell phones on our outside outlets. Uh, I've seen these folks around quite a bit. But here's what struck me, is I, I looked at this couple, and they were sound asleep. You know, I pulled up right next to them in the, my truck, and they didn't move. And, and in fact, they were probably enjoying it, because the sun was kind of beating down, and it was probably nice and warm, in that little alcove area there outside the door It was probably pretty nice. Anyway, they're, they're sound asleep, and I thought to myself when I saw them, I, I thought, you know, here is a couple that could be so much more, and if you would see them, like he's kind of a uh, a good-looking guy. He's probably about six one, dark hair, kind of handsome actually. The woman, long blonde hair, looks like she could be sitting here today, and you know we just think it's so great to have her here. And and they could be so much more. In fact, I, I actually thought to myself, man, woman, girl do you realize you could do so much better? Like, I don't know who this guy is that's kind of dragging you down. He's got you sleeping on the concrete out here beside this door. But you could have a so much better life if you just recognized what was available and what you could have. And I felt sorry for them. Like, they don't have a clue. They just don't understand where they're at and what they could have. They could do so much better. Sometimes we don't realize the new person that he has made us. So we just live as we've always lived, not being the new creation, not being, as we've talked about a lot lately, not being what we are. Can you imagine having surgery done that you needed to have done in order to make you healthy, but then after the surgery, never acting as though you were well? The surgery worked. You're well again. Everything is great. But you just don't pick up on it. And so you just continue to act ill even though you have been cured. Or can you imagine having thousands of dollars of dental work done and then never smiling because earlier you got in the habit of never opening your mouth because of your bad teeth. And so you've got this beautiful mouthful of teeth now. But you never show them off. You never smile just because that's your habit. You just don't ever recognize what it is that you have and let it show its potential. Sometimes we don't follow him into the new place that he offers us to live, preferring to stay in our old, broken-down house. We're like sheep. We're going to read a passage about sheep in just a moment, but we're like sheep who are offered a green pasture, and instead we just stay in the pen with the beaten down dirt and the rocks that are showing and the little weeds, never taking advantage of what's there, but just staying with the dirt and the stones. It's like we have a new wardrobe that he has given us. And we just don't put it on. So we put on the same old, dirty, holy jacket in the middle of winter, even though we've got this nice, new, warm winter coat. And it never provides for us the kind of warmth and protection that we could have. Because we don't allow ourselves to seize what we have. Well, in, in all those cases, what's happening is that we're not really living. And I want us to watch a video clip now that kind of expresses this. Could we get the lights to, Glenn, in addition to playing the video? Thanks, Ethan. Everyone inside. Hey, Come hey, on, hey. hurry up, let's go. Run. Let's go. Uh. Go. Go! Uh. No! No more caves, Greg. What? We're gonna jump on the sun and ride it to tomorrow with Guy! Wait, wait, so you're all going to do this? Thunk? Sorry, dear. You have to stop worrying for all of us. It's my job to worry. It's my job to follow the rules. The rules don't work out here. They kept us alive. That wasn't living. That was just not dying. Have you seen the Crudes? I haven't. Not until I saw this clip anyway. But do you get that line at the end? That's a great line. This is not living! This is just not dying! And that's so often the way that we live. Especially when all we're doing is following the rules. And we think that life in Christ is nothing more than following those rules. And Jesus, I would say, has something so much better intended for us we live as a four or we live as a five or maybe we really go for life and we live as a six and all the while jesus is wanting for us to live a 10 i want you to turn in your bibles to john chapter 10 if you haven't already on page 759 by the way in the pew bibles if you're looking at one of those And here's something I want you to keep in mind as we begin to read this. I'm going to read the first six verses first. And what you have to know, what you have to keep in mind is, Jesus is the gate. Okay? Keep that in mind. Jesus is the gate. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Now, Jesus is the gate, All those others who come are thieves and robbers. But what's clear to me in this story is that there are those who serve the role as shepherds who don't really follow the gate or go through and in and out through the gate. And because of this, they miss something dramatic and therefore so do their flocks. Let's read the rest of this now, verse 7 through 10. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now I have a little bit of trouble nailing down here exactly who the thief, the killer, the robber is. Traditionally, when people read this, of course, they read that this is Satan who distorts things. And there's a sense in which that's got to be true. Satan stands behind all those images of thieves and killers and robbers. But really, it's anybody who attempts to take us down a path in life other than the path of Jesus and you can think of all the things that could represent that could be represented here by the notion of thieves and killers and robbers like everything from materialism to the things that we read on tv or read on tv that we read on the internet that we watch in tv or in the movies or anything else there are a plethora of voices out there that draw us away attempting to distract us and take us from what The gate is all about. And Jesus is the pathway, not just the pathway to God, but in this case, Jesus says, the pathway to abundant life. And we try all kinds of other ways. And all the while, Jesus is saying, try them if you will, but you're following a thief, following a robber who is not taking you anywhere that you really need to go. Now, one thing else I wanted to tell you here, which is really important, I think, In John 10.10, when it says, I have come to give you life and to give you life to the full, there are in Greek two words for life. There's bios, which is like biology. Things that are alive. Butterflies are alive. And so we could talk about their life as a biological creature. They just live. But then there's a Greek word that is the same as I don't think there's anybody in here this morning named Zoe, but it's that name, Zoe, in Greek. And it also means life. But it doesn't mean just bios. Bios means you have blood and you breathe and you're an organism and your cells are living. Zoe means living life to the full. Zoe means to really live. And so the butterfly can just stay alive when he's walking on the ground trying to go 1,600 kilometers to his place in Mexico. Or the butterfly can fly. And he can really live. And that's what Zoe is all about, the notion of really living. And too many of us, I'm convinced, are just living life instead of living life. And Jesus really does want us to have the splendor and the beauty of this second kind of life. And he says, I am the source for this. I'm the gate for this. If you go in and out through me, you're going to find pasture. And you will go in and out and in and out and find real life if you stay in me. Or you can go through the motions or you can crawl along the ground, just staying alive, not being dead, as opposed to really living. And Jesus wants for us Zoe, rather than Bios. Now let me show you another beautiful passage. I want you to turn to Second Peter chapter 1. If you're in a pew Bible, it's page 860. You know, this kind of life that we're talking about this morning, Zoe, is not found through hard work. It's not found through some special shortcut that the world offers. Instead, this kind of life comes through surrender. It comes through giving ourselves to the shepherd who leads us into this kind of life where we go in and out and find pasture. And there, we have everything we need. I guess I should turn there, too. Second Peter chapter one. Verse three says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He's given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Do you see the difference here between the divine nature that we can aspire to but then attain because Christ gives it to us or we can continue to walk the way of the world with its evil desires and ultimately miss the abundant life, the zoe that God is calling us to? Now, I don't know about you, sometimes I get tired and frustrated with life, just like you do. Don't you ever wish that things could be different? Don't you ever wish that things could really change? Well, right at the point of us thinking, man, I wish things would change, right when we're feeling that way, I think we need to be a bit careful, because it's right at that point that bad decisions could be right around the corner. We could decide that changing things is something that we can do all on our own. So we look for the next best thing or some miracle plan or decide to change appearances without changing the inner core. It's like we look at this old car and we think to ourselves, we can restore this. And so we bring out the spray can and we paint the outside of this car beautifully and it's absolutely gorgeous. But we don't bother to look under the hood, not realizing that the engine is absolutely shot. Or we try a new diet. How many times have almost all of us, who are over the age of 40 or so especially, thought to ourselves, now I have found it, the diet that will change everything for me. And yet, we don't change the things inside ourselves that make it possible for us to actually achieve the goals we want to achieve. Or we try a new job, we try a new haircut, we buy whatever the advertisers tell us is just what we need. We sometimes decide that money can indeed buy happiness. We see the new shiny car, the new shiny refrigerator, the new shiny diamond, the new shiny golf clubs, the new shiny house, the new shiny TV. In my case, it would be a new shiny Winchester Model 70 or that new not-so-shiny head. Or we hear of the perfection of a vacation. The perfect holiday away or we try the new hobby, or perhaps even the new set of friends. And we run here and we run there trying to find that magical something that will make it all come together. And all the while, Peter says, he has given you everything you need for life and godliness. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't try and better ourselves. I'm not saying that things we have can't be perceived as blessings. But I am saying that we are sorely mistaken if we think that possessing things is somehow going to fill the void in our lives that only God can fill. It's in Jesus that real life, real Zoe comes. Period. Everything else is ultimately... A passing fad, a rusting treasure, an ultimately unsatisfying choice, and sometimes even a cruel distraction. We get distracted by all the shiny things in life that scream for our attention when all the while God says that he is the source of everything that we need. And so here's what I want you to do. When you're feeling dissatisfied, and you know, I I could say this morning, raise your hand if you ever feel dissatisfied, and everybody's hand would go up, unless you're one of those two little ones back there. When you're feeling dissatisfied, I want you to make a mental inventory of what you really, really need. Loving relationships, adequate food and shelter. Opportunities for meaningful, purposeful activity. Just some simple pleasures. Maybe a few moments for reflection. And then spiritual wholeness and oneness with the Creator. These are the kinds of things that we really need. And at those times when we're feeling frustrated and dissatisfied, I want us to focus there on these few simple things. And recognize... That abundant life doesn't come with what we have or achieve. It comes with who you know. And if we know Christ, we have ultimately all we need. The beautiful thing is that if you do this and consider seriously what you have in Him, you have a chance at obtaining real joy. Not just a temporary buzz where you get whatever this new thing is, you buy the next edition of something, and you think, I've finally got what I want. I've got 2.0. And then we realize that there's going to be a 3.0, and there's going to be a 4.0, and a 5.0, and folks, this is never going to end. If the age of computers tells us anything, it's that there will be a faster processor, there is going to be a larger hard drive, there is going to be more powerful software. This will never end for the rest of your life. Get used to that. If you're in photography, you know there is always going to be a camera that does more with higher resolution. It's just a fact. God wants us to stop clamoring after whatever new material possession that we can think will satisfy us and just to rest in Him where abundant life is. I was in Nashville most of last week and at the end of this last week at the, of the uh, Christian Scholars Conference uh, because of some tests that I had taken earlier just before I left, I started to be afraid that I was going to pass a kidney stone. I had a swollen kidney. Got to go see what that's all about this week. But the doctor said, you may have a kidney stone. So I started thinking about being the ramifications of being down in Nashville and having to go to the hospital, the possibility of this kidney stone. I went to the nurse. The, uh, they had a little Quonset there with a nurse in it for the university students. I went in and I said, you know, I, I said, I'm feeling some pain in my kidney and I've had some tests, maybe, that I've got a kidney stone. I said, I've never had one before. What should I do? And she said, don't come here. She said, if you, if you think you have a kidney stone, she said, just get in an ambulance and go to the hospital. <laughs> and then I talked to a few other people there. I said, what hospital should I go to if this happens? And they said, just go to Vanderbilt. Don't go anywhere else. I'm thinking, man, this is serious stuff. I've got to go to the right hospital. And i got to make sure I go to the hospital. But the other thing I kept thinking about was Dana Rippenhagen. And I kept thinking, since Dana was a little girl, she has had one kidney stone after another. Her body just is made to produce these things. And so she does. And because of it, at different times, she endures incredible pain because of that. And I kept thinking, if she can do this, I can do this. Maybe this won't come, but if it does, I can get through it. Well, what's impressive with Dana, of course, is not that she has put up with countless kidney stones. She can't really help that. But it's her attitude in the midst of putting up with the kidney stones. She is beset with a whole life of abundant physical pain. But when I think of Dana, I don't think of somebody who just lives in pain. I instead think of someone who is living an abundant life. And I know there's only one reason. And it's because of Jesus. She has gone through the gate. And she goes in and out and finds in him pasture. And he nourishes her soul and he gives her zoe. And so I don't know what the pain is that you're experiencing today. I know that not many of us experience the kind of physical pain that she does. Instead, there's pain on the inside that we feel. And that I know lots of us feel. And I know that for that pain, along with hers, it's all the same answer. And that's the answer that we need to continue to access Going through that gate. There is nobody else, Peter says, who has the words of life. And he was right. So, our smooth stone is to live life to the full. And to do so in Christ. And if you, if you think to yourself today, man, I want to I live an abundant life for Christ. One of the things you could do is grab a stone on the way out today. And write something on there, perhaps, about what it means for you to live new life in Him. Take it with you. Put it in your pocket. Think about that stone. Think about the new abundant life that we have in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I'd pray that you would bless us as we go through the coming days. That at that mo- those moments when we feel like oh, life isn't what we want it to be, that you will help us to, to look to you, to recognize that you're the access point, the gate for real living, for real life, and help us to go right to you. And Father, you you promise that you've given us all we need for life and godliness. Help us to live like it, accepting what it is that you've given us. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.